Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And this is 51 First Dates. Welcome to it. We're a podcast and we love you. That's it. We're a podcast about dating. We're really excited for today's episode. If you are listening to this fresh hot episode, it is also election day. So we're going to quickly move through that. If you're listening to this in the future, this is a dating podcast and not a politics podcast. Uh, But it's just a weird day to release a podcast that begins with a cheers. (laughs) Exactly. We can't like not mention it, but also there's a chance you're listening to this and it's not election day 2020. (laughs) So if that's the case... We also are going to talk about, we have an amazing interview today, which we'll tell you about. We're also going to talk a little bit about the content we're consuming, mental health tips for getting through this November 3rd. And if you want to just skip to our interview, you can um, look in the description. We will put the time code start of the interview that the interview starts at. At which the interview starts. I said that so badly, but you get it. Yes. Um, But in the meantime... (laughs) uh, Kimmy, should we? Oh, let's tell let's tell everybody about our interview today. Oh. I'm gonna let you do it because I know you're gonna do it better than me. Oh wow, I feel so honored. Well, I'm I'm very excited to share the interview we did with NKG and Jaka and Maisha Battle. They're the hosts of the Dating White podcast or the podcast called Dating White. It's a really amazing podcast by these two women who you'll hear us fangirl out about in a little bit uh, about looking at interracial dating and dating. Um, Generally, as women of color, specifically dating white men, uh, and Kate, she's a neuroscientist, artist, meditation guide, and public speaker. She's really amazing, as is Maisha, who's a clinical sexologist and certified sex and dating coach. I think just their energy, their friendship, um, their willingness to come on and be so generous with their time and energy with us, uh, we're just really grateful for. The conversation totally. is great I think mainly on the part of Maisha and Keiichi because I feel like Liza and I were kind of you know all wound up so excited to talk to these women whose podcasts we totally binged in quarantine and also Liza I won't speak for you but I'll speak for myself I was just really grateful to both of them for being so I don't know patient with us I think a lot of times you know Liza and I have talked about how we want to be better and, you know, confront the parts of dating that we don't always confront as white women and have these discussions that are harder to have. And like, it was just such a great example of whatever nerves I had, like, fuck those literal tiny bits of being uncomfortable, because that's a silly thing. Um, There's no, I don't know, there's no I feel like that's my most privileged self when I'm like, oh, I might be uncomfortable. I just can't thank these women enough for being so gracious and generous with their time. And I'm very excited for you all to listen. I feel like we could have completely chatted forever. <laughs> for real. And also just like everything you said, yes. But also like they just have such cool jobs and careers. And I just uh, I'm always so impressed with people who are able to be like, oh, I'm going to make the career path I want for myself. And it's like, I just think their jobs are the coolest things ever. Um, and ref- it is reflected in their personalities or probably vice versa. Like, they're just cool. I was like um, kind of dying to be both of their friends too. So I think, yeah, I think you're going to love the interview. Uh, we love talking to them. And um, that's coming up in a little bit. Uh, but for now, we're going to talk a little bit about our content consumption. I'm sorry, there's sirens. Um, it's appropriate. It's appropriate. Yeah. It is. Everything's just on a scary fire. Time. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, New York is completely fine right now uh, <laughs> at breast time. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, okay, should we do should we do consumption corner first and then do like how to get through today or should we do how to get through today and then consumption corner? Well, you know, and I feel like when we recorded this interview about a week ago with Maisha and Keichi, we were like, oh my gosh, this comes out on election day. And we then all discussed kind of what will we do? What will we watch? What kind of wellness? So I think we can talk about content consumption corner, like what have we been watching with the idea of ideally recommending things that would be a nice watch on a day, you know, a, where election results are coming in and not coming in and everything is very stressful and, you know, democracy hangs in the balance. Uh, as well as other kinds of, even if it's not consumption, but food is consumption. Like what food to eat, what last minute activism to participate in if you can, and what, you know, wellness and self-care we we recommend. I feel like, though, really, you know, go to the links, follow these women that we're about to interview, because I feel like <laughs> they will have all the recommendations for you, especially in KG with, you know, her meditation and wellness practice. So... That's my disclaimer. I won't have great wellness recommendations, but how does that sound, Liza? We'll do some. That sounds great. Some sharing. Sounds good to me. Um, My consumption for the past week has been like the same. I feel like I don't have anything new or groundbreaking. I was really good last week with like having new recs. Um, But this week, I think I basically watched the same shit I was watching last week. I mean, Uh, it's totally it's all hard. I'm going to continue to shout out the Golden Girls, guys. <laughs> it's all on Hulu. It's so fucking heartwarming and just uh, making, I don't know, something about it is just like a, a fucking warm, um, like, soul bath. I don't know. It's incredible. I crushed a lot of episodes of that this week. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything great. What What did you? What have you been watching? It's tricky. I have one that I... I think is a good watch for a day like tomorrow slash today. Any tough day where you want to escape with TV. I watched a show called Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched this yet. You recommended it to yeah, me. Yeah, I heard a lot of buzz about it. Jason Sudeikis is an American football coach, like a D2, I think. Like, not NFL, who gets put – as the head coach of a soccer team in or so football team in the UK. None of this is up my alley. Jason Sudeikis, I like him. But like I was like sports show, what what what? But I highly recommend it. It's incredibly warm, like it's heartwarming while being funny with a very complex older female character who so far in the episodes I've watched is I I just don't think I've seen an older woman going through a divorce handled the way they handle her. And there's no spoiler there. The divorce is like part of the premise. So I would recommend it. Apple TV Plus is probably something you're not subscribed to. And this is not a sponsor. But there are a lot of free trials. And the other thing I haven't watched yet, but I'm planning to watch tomorrow for when I just can't handle it anymore at night and I want to be distracted, is a movie on Apple TV Plus called On the Rocks with Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. And it just looks like what I need to have. It's uh, the Sofia Coppola movie. It's it's so if you could you could basically like go on to Apple TV and watch some like chill vibes things with a trial. That's my that's my pitch. Without you know, because I was like I'm not gonna sign up for that. But yes, yeah, shockingly, that sports show is quite good. Um, you could just watch Emily in Paris, the worst show. Best Halloween costumes. So mad I didn't decide to do that after I saw all of them. Uh, I don't oh know. God, I didn't see any. I feel like that's. I, I I didn't see. I saw a lot of. Um, I mean, of course, predictably a lot of Tiger King related stuff. And then I saw a lot of Shit's Creek. I saw oh, yeah. an enormous amount of like Moira and David, Moira and Johnny. I saw a lot of that. I saw a few Emily's, and I feel like the best ones were like you know, not just like girls dressing up cute but like Ira Madison dressed up as Emily in Paris I the funny ones with baguette I just I think I was so like why didn't I think of that because it would have been fun to just have like a half costume like literally buy a beret totally. and a baguette and you're Emily in Paris and like be annoying with your phone I don't know yeah fully uh, like overdraw your eyebrows I mean I know those are her real eyebrows and good for her but for those of us not genetically gifted with them um 
That's great. I think that's incredible. I I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a similar pitch only because I just remembered something I watched this week that was the most fun I've ever had, which is I watched ni- the 1999 Tim Burton movie Sleepy Hollow. Oh wow! On Friday night, I remember <laughs> because, that. Okay, it was a long process, but basically. Jeff and I both are huge wimps and do not like scary movies, don't mess with them, can't handle them, are snowflakes. So we were like, oh, I want to watch a Halloween movie, but it can't be scary, but it has to be spooky, but like I've seen Hocus Pocus a million times, whatever. I really wanted to watch Clue, but we had watched, whatever, we had watched it somewhat recently, so we landed on Sleepy Hollow, and I just want to make a pitch that on election day you should watch 90s movies. Because I just forgot in the 90s, they spent so much money on, like, B-level movies, Mm. and they're so fun. Like, everything was just production designed to the fucking nines, and the movie is, like, so weird and dumb and campy, and it stars Johnny Depp. And, like, we just don't have movies like this anymore that are, like... Like, I just, it made me want to go watch, like, The Mummy with Brendan Fraser and, like, all, you know, just, like, movies that are, like, splashy and a ton of money and not that good. I just, there is something, a place in my heart, probably because of how old I am, but, like, it was so much fun. And now I want to just watch 90s movies, like, kind of okay, but not great 90s movies for for the next, like, full week while we're waiting for these election results. I really, I think that's a good genre for, yes, yeah, this is true. It's not just tomorrow. It's, like, kind of how do you take care of yourself in this horrific moment? Um, so for the next week, you'll watch 90s movies and you'll be happy about it. Uh, no, but I, that sounds delightful because I think, like, a part of why I loved Emily in Paris was because I did not love it. Whoa, 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 strike from the record, strike. But I kept watching, and I was going to save some for Election Day, but I didn't. That's – I fucked up. Um, but it was because I haven't seen anything new with, like, production value in a minute. So, like, just mm-hmm. even the colors. Like, even though the story story is so stupid, just seeing Paris, you know. And so that's true. There was so much more – obviously, like, the quality of the picture looks different now maybe for a 90s movie. But there was more, like, invested in the production – itself and and the yeah. art design and, yeah. and it was it was less like I don't know I feel like every big movie now is also so um it's like either a superhero movie or a I don't know it's just it's so like insanely special effectsy and over the top and like whatever I just kind of appreciated that like they you know the headless horseman was chopping off heads and it, they fully look like they were made of rubber and like it, it, there was just something like charming about the whole thing and nostalgic so hard recommend that's probably what I'll be watching a lot this week is a ton of shitty movies yeah um but then in terms of oh can we give one quick shout out just while we're in consumption corner? Yes. I'm going to I'm going to self plug a little bit. I think that you guys should all go and consume our Patreon content which is recapping the Bachelorette as you know there's a lot going on in the franchise this season and uh it's going to get even juicier this week. <laughs> so we're over there recapping. It's so fun. I love it. You can I love doing it. We love talking about it. We're gonna have um I've been quoting one of my like very funny friends who I text with and she's gonna come on this week and chat about the the changeover app with us. Um we decided to spare all of our listeners the five minute recaps since <laughs> not everyone listen, watches The Bachelorette. But you can fully listen to our recaps on Patreon with it, like at the lowest level of donation like a dollar a month or something so it's mostly just for fun um but uh plug for that there's a link in the bio and also you know if you're behind on bachelorette the episodes are on hulu and that could be a good thing to catch up yeah catch up i on mean <laughs> i mean this week uh, it's like we have a TV podcast now, quite quite frankly. I know, right? Um, no, but this is a, if yes, I agree. Check it out. I, the Bachelorette is something that I hate that I love, quite similar to Emily in Paris. Okay, so we would love you to check that out and tell us what you think, because I do think it's just a weird season. I'm having such difficulty, we won't get into it, but with the lead, and I'm so excited for the next lead, and that is where I'll leave it. 
But shall we, before we get into our conversation, which does pertain to dating, I promise, shall we talk a little bit about just taking care of yourself um, over the next 24, 36, 48 million hours? <laughs> yes, completely. Okay. What are your What are your plans? For well, I think taking uh, care of yourself. I'm not doing a good job at all right now. I haven't left my house today. I got a little slammed with working, um, and it's you know it gets dark out now, real nice and early, which is a bit of a bummer. I think I meant to delete Twitter off my phone. I also didn't do that. So let me just rag on myself for a second. However. I, I just was like, I can't be doing this tomorrow. Like if I don't happen to get an onslaught of projects that I need to be doing, I will be stressed all day. So there are still times to text bank and phone bank and be part of the go TV efforts to get people to the polls tomorrow as well. And so I am right now on mobilize.us slash FL 2020 victory. It's Florida specific. But even if you just go to Vote Save America, as we've said, I think I need to do some shit because otherwise I it's really powerful when I have done things like write the postcards I feel better it's distracting one and I keep seeing amazing stories of people getting people their polling location or something so that's my first suggestion and one that I'm going to impose on myself like every time I go to Twitter nope did you volunteer yet did you volunteer yet did you text bank yet you know get off of Twitter uh second I would say I have not been doing yoga or meditation in any kind of pure way. I feel like I've done these little yoga adjacent workouts, but it's just to try to move my body. So I'm going to really make sure tomorrow morning I get up and do a full online yoga class and then, you know, check out maybe – I listen to me. I'm so bad at meditating, but I will force myself to get do some sort of meditation action just to – why not start the day off on the right foot, you know? And then later – I will eat and drink. And I don't know exactly what that will be yet, but I'm willing to brainstorm with you, Liza. I think that's great. I think you're going to enjoy my eating and drinking plan. Uh, but I'll tell you my whole day plan first. Um, I'm actually going to do something very similar. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go. I'm going to do a yoga class. Um, I don't have a job right now, so this will be <laughs> all of this will be easier. Um, and then I'm going to go vote in person. Um, you are, I'm like, I didn't realize you were I am yet. Oh. I have not voted yet. I'm going to vote in person um, because I don't have a job and whatnot. Yeah, no. So, I, I, I think that it was so different. I mean, I always get a little like weirdly patriotic. Again, this has been the year I discovered I was patriotic. But <laughs> like putting my ballot in the box was not the same as the surge of going and being around other people and voting totally. together. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go vote. Um, and then I am going to text bank and then I am going to go for a walk in the park mm. and I'm going to leave my phone at home. I'm I'm going to try to take several yeah. hour, like at least hour breaks where I don't look at my phone. Jeff and I are both going to do this tomorrow. We're going to like his company's giving him the day off and they are giving everyone the day off. And uh, we're going to just take long phone breaks so that we don't overload, so that we smooth the flow of information so we're not obsessed with checking things that are not going to give us more information than, um, than we – then you know, we're not going to know anything during the day, yeah. but we are going to be <laughs> drawn to check obsessively. So I'm going to leave my phone at home for a couple hours, and then I'm going to eat Mexican food and drink margaritas. I was thinking about – going Mexican you know what I mean with the the I love a margarita yeah I think it sounds right I'm inspired I was gonna maybe make some nachos you know it's really uh, I don't know again I feel like yeah there's such a fine line because I feel a little bit like okay I have to self-care myself because like I should just be fighting to the end or like why do I need a break I haven't done that much but it's like it's actually a really scary time in the world and I think having even one thing to look forward to tomorrow or one way that you're taking care of yourself, even if you're getting out there and getting the vote out by texting, by phone, phone banking, by working the polls, um, which I was also denied for here, which is kind of hopeful that there were so many people that signed I up. I think in the cities, yeah. they were like, yeah. <laughs> there was this surge, which is great. That's, you know, what you want. Um, but also now I'm hopefully signed up so that I can do it in the future when it's less, whatever, you know, the midterms. Oh, God, and blah, please, blah, blah. dear God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, I just think 
yeah, uh, who knows? I just take care of yourselves and your hearts and your souls. And yeah, there there's nothing at a certain point tomorrow. There's not too much else you can do. So then just like really be with that and do like Liza. Don't check things because you can't control it. Um, and we probably won't control things ever again for the whole week. I don't know. It's just going to be a rough week. Be nice to yourself. Watch some funny stuff. You know, be um, call call a friend you haven't talked to in a while and be like, let's talk about anything except politics. I don't know. I feel like a couple a couple little things like that that'll just make you smile. Um, But we love you guys. We uh, hope this week goes okay and that everyone takes care of themselves and that you very much enjoy our interview with the hosts of date of the dating white podcast maisha and engagey and check make sure to check out their podcast wherever podcasts happen it's it's it would actually be you know for depending on the it's very engaging it's not light so i'll just give you that if you if you're looking for it to like to go on a walk and really like you know learn and just like hear about some really amazing women being very vulnerable i i could recommend that on election day for you as yeah well. for sure um so we're gonna take a really quick ad break and then we'll be back with maisha and Nkechi. okay well we are so excited to be joined by maisha and Nkechi from dating white a podcast that i will have already professed my obsession with earlier in this episode. But thank you both so much for being here. We are very grateful to have you and excited to chat today. Thanks for having us. I know. I'm I'm making everyone uncomfortable already. Just like being professionally. (laughs) No, we're like professionally. I mean, we don't do this with everyone. But when we interview people we're fans of, like we haven't uh, perfected the art of like trying to be cool at all. Um, (laughs) Nor like will we, you know, we're both theater kids and whatnot (laughs) fully um but we're thrilled to have you we love your podcast uh we're gonna talk all about it we're gonna talk um all about all kinds of things um but we yeah since since we both have dating podcasts we like to kind of start by asking like what is you guys's relationship to relationships you know, you have like long-term relationships, dating, singledom, apps. How do you, how were you raised to think about relationships? Ooh. I know. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, <laughs> I can jump us off in Keiichi, um by saying that I was raised in a family with a kind of unconventional relationship to relationships in that my parents were not married legally until after I was born and I was the third child in the family. And so I have always had a kind of unconventional relationship um, to partnership and always thought that different was just as good, maybe better you know, maybe there are there are ways beyond just the traditional pairing that we consider um, when we consider marriage and long-term partnerships and relationships. Um, so that's kind of the beginning of it. I'm also um, the product of a biracial partnership um, where my mom is white and my dad is black. So again, like not the norm exactly, but also um, it had it presented me with possibilities early on, as opposed to um, a sort of finite understanding of what that actually like physically looked like too. Um, So fast forward, my first relationship was with a white boy. Um, First kiss, first boyfriend, lost my virginity, took another person's virginity, if we want to use those terms, but, you know, first sexual initiation and all of that happened with white people. So that is kind of my origin story. And I'm currently partnered with um, a white man and uh, (laughs) I've been in a relationship with him for just over two years. Um, And my last serious relationship was with a white guy too. So that's where I'm at. I mean, my dating history is kind of all over the board, but 
in terms of like partners who I've spent multiple years with, um, those have always been white guys. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm nodding because you know we've listened to the podcast, but not all of our listeners are are familiar. So, and my relationship to relationship, um, I I think it's is pretty conservative or like traditional. I think. Um, even as I date now, so I'm, I'm unpartnered at the moment and I find myself like really <laughs> attempting to be like not as traditional in my dating practices and then still coming back to like how I think things should be. And like, it's very much like <laughs> in accordance with how like I think my parents think. Um, and my parents are, um, my father is a immigrant um, of Nigeria, so I'm half Nigerian. And then my mother is American and mixed race. And so often I will also say I'm mixed race and multi-ethnic um, by nature of just having grown up with not a lot of black and brown people around and also having different cultural um, influences and perspectives in my family. But I also think that like some of that um, conservatism or traditionalism around pairing comes from assimilation in a large, I think in my parents' attempt to assimilate to where I ultimately grew up, which is in a suburb of Minneapolis. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we've talked a lot about, I think, how so many people's relationship to relationships. I keep saying this like it's our uh, tagline, like it's not. <laughs> I feel I feel like uh, trying to make fetch happen a little bit, but um, but so much of it is is downloaded from your parents. It's it's in both of your cases and in both Kimmy and my of Kimmy and my cases. It's wild how that gets so programmed in, and then sometimes we have to do the work to like unprogram it a little bit or we say like cool this is great we learned the right lessons I think that's more rare than the um the deprogramming part of it but yeah it's uh it's interesting how we all kind of take those lessons and I think so much to heart yes and what's also interesting and just you know and something that will lead me to my next question but when you both described your relationships to relationships your parents as well as your race and identity, you know, is a huge part of that. And I think this year, Liza and I, as white women, have really, like, a moment like that. When I think about my relationship to relationships, I don't think about my race as much because I'm benefiting from this system of, you know, white supremacy that's giving me, I'm feeling like I'm already assimilated, you know, unfortunately. So I think, like, what I've really appreciated in listening to your podcast and something that, you know, I know we are lacking in terms of what we've covered on this podcast when it comes to dating is just really how you dive into interracial relationships and race politics and dating from such a conversational perspective. I'm hearing your relationship. I'm hearing your experiences. That's really challenging and vulnerable. And I guess, how did you both decide you wanted to launch this podcast? And like the origin story, you know, for, especially again, for those who haven't listened to it yet. The decision to launch the podcast took three years. <laughs> <laughs> and I was reflecting on this yesterday because I went on a date with a white man and he, I, I mentioned something about the podcast and he's like, should I listen to it or should I like have these conversations with you? And I was like, oh, I really... I really like that. Yeah. Uh, and yes, let me I, like at least try to explain like now that the show has been launched and we've like completed season one, I was like trying to summarize aspects of the podcast to him. But what was clarifying in that was um, we started having conversations, Maisha and I, when I broke up with my last like long-term partner, which was three years ago. And I haven't really dated anyone significantly since then. Um, And I just feel like we've been, or at least I can say for myself, like interrogating my choices, (laughs) preferences, um, my reasons, my motivations, just kind of uncovering 
not to really come up with any conclusion, but like that's what I've spent the last few years. And I think last few years doing, and I think that um, launching the podcast <laughs> kind of felt like it needed to happen at the time that it did. <laughs> Namely, because we suddenly had all this time sheltering in place to like actually record it. Like we we had been in many conversations. I was traveling a lot for work pre-COVID. So like just scheduling our time and, you know, some of that was just a distraction to like maybe the difficulty and just like actually like committing to committing our voices to the work and but yeah vulnerable is definitely one of the words <laughs> that maybe allowed for it to take as long as it did to become a thing yeah we fully knew that there was nothing out there like this that these conversations were happening you know between people who look like Nkechi and I um, but there was not a place on the internet for discussion about interracial dating that wasn't like fetishy or like um, just for lack of a better term like black and white like very cut and dried like this is how to do it or this is, you know, what this process will look like for you. Like a lot of advicey things that didn't really seem all that helpful for the kinds of stuff that Nkechi and I gravitate towards, which is like just the weird feelings and tension and like beautiful connection, but also like vying to be understood in relationship which is hard in general but then you add this layer of race we just were really um curious about like yes relationships yes love yes partnership what can it look like and how can we start to have these conversations how can we introduce these topics that add the layer of race and do it in a way that felt personal and therefore kind of unfuckwithable mm -hmm. because I think we're living in a time where, you know, you can't necessarily speak for everybody's experience. And in KG and I have a lot of experience with this. So we really wanted it to start with us and the things that we have grappled with. And then everything that happened over the summer happened as we were recording in real time. And we were like, okay, well, this is even more <laughs> than we had bargained for when we're talking about race relations. So yeah, I mean, it was fortuitous timing. It did take a lot for us to, um, I think like settle into the idea that we were even doing it, you know, mm -hmm. um, because we were very much aware of how, uh, barren the landscape was and that we would kind of be the only ones out there swimming alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing, obviously, like, uh, incredibly impressive, incredibly, um, cool that you guys are, are trying to like make stuff in a void of, of information and content. Like these are, you know, listening to your podcast, I am embarrassed to say I had a lot of thoughts and insights that I had never had as, as a white woman dating. What has it been like for you guys to have this out there? Like, have you, do you have, I'm assuming you have friends and family listening. Like, have you heard from former partners, like strangers? Like, what have been some of the responses you've you've been getting? No former partners for me. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, oh, I hope my ex doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I take that back. That's not an invitation. I actually don't want to hear. <laughs> but I, I, the idea of like someone listening and like coming back to sort of like redeem themselves is kind of something that I have like a fantasy about. But like I don't actually want to like engage mm. with anyone that I've previously dated. Fair. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting to. I'm always like very much um, moved when people have listened and want to share their response. And it's 
th those that are sharing, it's always been positive. And, um, and that feels really touching, especially from people that I know who like, just, I don't necessarily think that they're like watching my Instagram stories or even like paying attention to what I say I'm up to. And so like, it's cool that there's, there are people out there that are investing in, in the content and learning um, vicariously through our experiences, which are not actually experiences that I talk about like all the time, or even like to people outside of like my very close friend group. And even some of my best friends who listen are like, wow, like I've heard you share this story before and hearing it in this way, I'm now understanding it in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And it's been really touching to hear those friends share on like how they've become angry on my behalf or frustrated or deeply saddened. Um, and I'm not even sharing the stories for that reason. It's just like, this is what my experience has been like. And I didn't realize that this, that my experience was similar to other women who look like me, but also very dissimilar to experiences of women who don't look like me. And that's always, yeah, interesting to think about. Um, but yeah, overall, I feel very positive about like having it out there and it existing. Yeah, it feels vulnerable to share these experiences. And when we record, it is, you know, in Keiichi and I together, you know, me in my closet, which I'm in right now. <laughs> Love it. Um, and her in her room with her like, you know, a recording equipment propped up. And it's just, um, it's two friends talking about how we think and feel about things that have happened to us. And so there's a moment of like, yeah, 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 sure. Just send it off to Jihad to edit. And then it comes back and you listen to it and you're like, oh shit. Um, cool. This is going to be like something that people listen to. Um, so there was some reckoning with that. Um, for sure and some sort of like nail biting around you know exactly what we did want to share and what we didn't necessarily feel comfortable sharing um but like the the core and the source of all of it is just you know in Keiichi and I talking the way that we would talk to each other if we were in the same room um and and hoping that that does resonate and as in Keiichi mentioned it seems to have um, one thing that I have found interesting, and maybe both of you want to chime in on this, um, we have had like a lot of women who like reach out and they're like, I'm a white woman and I listen to your podcast um, for my own learning, for my own understanding. And I think that wasn't really something we were anticipating. Um, I think when we were making this, uh, a lot of the discussions that we were having happened to be in proximity with other women of color and they would hear what we were saying and and they were like oh oh I'm so here for this like yes please make this make this happen and that's kind of what helped you know keep the momentum going for us I don't think we really anticipated that it would be a resource for for white people in general um as much as it seems to have been and so that's been um cool and a curious process like what's going on there um so yeah I don't know how did you hear about us and like what what kind of like roped you in yeah so I I heard about you first no not to be that person but um Spotify Kimmy like, tells me about everything <laughs> I'm a grandma I don't I, I don't I I great on the internet but it was kind of like serendipitous whatever again the cheesiness coming out of me right now it's just too much but I was on Spotify and it was like I'm always interested in what dating podcasts are out there because we have one and it was and also it's probably then like in listening to guests there's a lot of the algorithm is putting dating podcasts to me and on Spotify I think it was Spotify not Apple podcasts because I, I go back and forth um, your podcast came up. And so I didn't actually have any context going in. I think I was just like, this is really interesting. And then listening to you, I, it, so it wasn't necessarily seeking out a resource. It was fine. Like, and I, I don't want to call your podcast a resource because I think it's, you know, so much more than that. But as a white person listening to you both and your friendship, I think like first and foremost, you were just really engaging and really smart women having really nuanced conversations about challenging topics. So that just appealed for me, you know, almost, of course, I want to learn, but 
just I felt so engaged by you first and foremost. And then I think very quickly realizing, especially as this year has gone on and I've been just mortified at, you know, the lack of like as a liberal white woman, how much I have been ignorant to. I think, you know, within the first episode feeling like I've really never thought about that with interracial relationships and that I, I you know, I didn't only keep listening to learn. I certainly did want to learn, but it, it was a combination of you just, it's really like the meme. I don't know if you guys know the meme. It's like a, a little boy sitting in front of like an ice cream shop picture. It's like what it feels like to listen to a podcast. Like I want to be friends with these people. I want to, you know, I was just like cool women plus like just incredible um, insights and like ways to challenge my way of thinking, especially as someone with a dating podcast where, yeah, again, super like even the premise of our podcast, which was like, go on a bunch of dates. Like it just, we never thought about dating outside of like a white, straight, cis woman's lens as much as we should have, even if we had guests on. And like, yeah, sad to say it because we've been around for a minute. But like, I think that was the appeal to me. Like first, you're just talent and relationship, but then like learning so organically. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think we were... same ditto like female friendship podcasts are my jam like all the podcasts I listen to are like two women who are also friends uh like not intentionally just like that's how it's uh narrowed down um but yeah I mean I think we started this podcast being like a dating podcast and you know we realized through like you know listeners we have who are people of color and guests like oh we don't we don't know shit like it's such a small lens and it's that's gonna be sad it's embarrassing we learned that way but um I always love listening to anyone's dating experience uh, who has perspective that I I don't know. Dating's insane. It's an insane thing to do. It's like the scariest and it's horrible. (laughs) And like that's so much of why we started this podcast. It's like, oh, everyone like hates this and does it and loves it, but it's horrible. You know, everyone has such a weird relationship to it. And um, it's just always, uh, always a world of experiences out there. And it's it's different um, for everyone. And I, I really... Yeah, I really loved um, hearing you guys' perspective. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering if you guys can talk a little bit about, I mean, I'm hoping, I mean, everyone who's listening, go listen to Dating White. But for people who haven't listened yet, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure like this is going to be a very general question about something that's not general, but can you talk a little bit about misconceptions people have around interracial dating things that people have found surprising in listening to your podcast people experiences that you guys share that you think you know white people might not know about even people who are not um mixed race people of color might not know about yeah i think the biggest one that we dive into pretty early on is a misconception that like love can conquer all and like it, all you need is love. Love is love. It, you know, love is blind. Like all of these sort of notions around the power of love. And trust me, I'm a firm believer in the power of love. But sometimes love doesn't get you through a microaggression, you know. Um, and that doesn't mean that you don't have two well-intentioned people involved. It's a reflection of our culture and how we're socialized that people are not equipped to handle Um, racism within a a dating dynamic as well as they could be. I think there are people who are starting to understand and learn like what does a microaggression even look like or you know how do I stand up to racism? How do I live a more anti-racist life? Which is great. That will definitely bolster love in this world. Um, But the notion that like you fall for who you fall for and the rest will follow is a bunch of bullshit that I really wish people would discard immediately. <laughs> my, my personal expert opinion, <laughs> you know, um, just it's, it's love is not enough in some cases when it comes to these really, really difficult, challenging and layered experiences that Um, people of color have had to endure and have been expressing that they've had to endure to a lot of walls and silence and misunderstanding and misconstruence. So, 
Yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's frustrating because on the one side, we're all hopefully working towards a world where, you know, we can better support each other in relationship and we do have this awareness, but we're certainly not there yet. I fully echo. I, I'm not even sure <laughs> what more to add. <laughs> that last we're not there yet. Um, and in hearing you speak, Maisha, I just like feel also too kind of the the gravity of just not, like having, I say quote unquote, these experiences that are not specific to us, which I, which we know, and I know that we know that. Um, but yeah, it's the part of like not being listened to. I think like that's, that's like the really sticky, complicated part because I've definitely been in relationships. I was in one for seven years where I, I definitely wanted to believe that like love would somehow make everything better. And I think I always believe that. I think, I don't know if that's me sub subscribing to fairy tale or like some other form of patriarchy. <laughs> I'm really trying to undo it all. <laughs> it's taking so long. <laughs> We're all fucking just spoon fed, forest fed. Just it's yeah, it's not. It's not like it. every day I'm like, no, I really need to keep checking in with like where my, I have blind spots, even. And like I created some like really gnarly list of how to like screen people <laughs> go on dates with as a result. And it feels so intense to like literally ask like, what are you doing to protect women? And like, how are you dismantling white supremacy? Among 20 other questions, like when last did you cry? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good one. Who did you, who are you voting for? I mean, just many questions. And it, I asked some of them yesterday. <laughs> I, made I was like, I'm just gonna, but it didn't even feel like it didn't feel right, actually. Like it felt like so rigid, but it's the only way that I can think of like how to be on the opposite end of just like believing that like, if I just feel into my love or my desire to love or my desire to be loved that somehow I won't have to deal with what these an the answers to these questions and how that will impact me in the relationship. <laughs> Like, how do I have, what do you call it, foresight? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard. Like, I feel like a lot of people are good at, at hiding things in, like, an, some people, I think, like, interview well, you know, on a first date. And then it can sometimes catch you by surprise. I'm speaking for myself. And, again, this is, like, with just all the white privilege. It's, like, I often, on a second or third time meeting someone, catch something. And I'm like, oh, uh-uh. Like, bye bye. You know, it, it, it's very, very cool that you're like, okay, no, first date. <laughs> These are the things I need to know. Like, I feel like more people should be doing that. It's uncomfortable. And it's actually the first time that I've done it. And I like prefaced, like, I, I told him too. And then I kind of, even in the moment, was like, mm, I said I was going to do this, but like, I actually like don't even feel like I should because like it's going really well and I like and then he surprised me and he was like okay like I like you and I'm having a really great time and I want to do this again so do you have a set of like non-negotiables and deal breakers that I should know about and I was like okay well then maybe I can pull out my list and read these questions <laughs> oh my god my jaw's on the floor <laughs> Wow. That what a unicorn. Like, I feel like that's the rare story <laughs> of, like, an emotionally intuitive uh, man who's willing to show that on a first date. Cool. <laughs> but in thinking yeah. about that list, like, I'm trying to think, like, how do we overhaul dating as it is now? You've both made the point so insightfully that, you know, 
you know, taking the the data we have around apps and racism on apps or implicit bias on apps, like they're designed photos, they're designed like the implicit bias tests that you can take online to like, even if you're open-minded to just tap into that implicit bias. So how would you, and I know Maisha, you've done different kind of like video dating. I'm just curious how you would each overhaul dating and meeting now. I, like I'm thinking of that list and could we have some survey before a dating app like not I don't actually think that's a good idea but I'm just wondering how would you both like to see dating become more equitable and just normal and not I don't know yeah what would you do you know I really do think that we um could benefit from more community dating Mm -hmm. um and one of the things that I advise my clients on, I think sometimes we we have a different set of criteria for the people that we ultimately want to partner with and fall in love with. And we do our community, the people that we've already let into our hearts. And a big part of what I do is sort of like encourage my clients to be like, you know, that best friend who you feel completely comfortable 100% yourself and you know, like is there for you in your time of need, like that's exactly what you deserve to be asking for in a partnership too. (laughs) You know, they exist. The gender might be different depending on your preferences of, you know, your friend community and its makeup versus who you date, or it might be the same, but like there's this some, for some reason, there is this disconnect between what we ask of like our friendships and what we ask of our partners. I think that has a lot to do for me in my dating experience. It had a lot to do with my gender and what I thought I could ask for versus what the reality was, um, like what was available to me. I had kind of a limited view of what I could, could get. And then there was also this, I think, notion that maybe the person who I was going to invite into my life would be so exceptionally different um, in a lot of ways from the people that were already part of my community. But um, also I think apps trick you into thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to date like a dude who like lives in Florida and works on a naval base and like, and you're like, wait, what? I don't like, how do I even take steps to know this person? (laughs) How How do they reflect my community, you know, it's cool. That's a very cool job. Um, and maybe there's something to like, you know, really wanting a, a sailor man in your life. But like, there's the real like concrete, like sort of parameters of dating that, you know, you have to have a certain amount of common ground. You typically need to be in some general location. I mean, COVID has made that a little bit different but you know um generally speaking I think the people that we want to attract are are part of our community so um fostering more of like a matchmaking like kind of uh like structure that's built into our our friendships would be really great I think what happens for a lot of people is they partner and then they forget about their single friends Um, and they forget that like their community is pretty rich with resources and that if you have a friend who is going on a bunch of shitty dates, like your job as their friend is to be looking through your Rolodex and being like, actually, you need to meet this person. Um, I think they're great. They, you know, used to date my friend, but that was actually a bad match. Here are the reasons why. And here are the reasons why I think you would be a better fit for this person. You know, we just don't have a culture that really supports that. It's like once people are paired, they're out of the the system. So (laughs) they're done with it. And um, we used to have more of this sort of like tribal way of like partnering and pairing and referring and making sure that people were taken care of. Now that had a downside, its downsides too, because that was more like insular communities. And typically when you see matchmaking services, it's all like, you know, focused on a specific demographic, whether it be based on ethnicity or religion or, um, you know, even socioeconomic status, you know, there, 
there's just not this it takes a village to bring love into our friends lives kind of mentality which I think we could all really benefit from yeah it's so funny like I I set Kimmy up on a date for our when she was going on dates for this podcast with a, a friend of mine and it felt so weird I was like hey to to my friend who went on a date with her I was like hey sorry it's I don't know she's nice ah do you want to see a picture it was so I was so weird about it and I was like oh my god so many of our our parents generation like met this way you know like a friend of a friend and that's you know but it is something that yeah it feels like it, it fell off with apps and modern dating and it does feel like we we our generation is rethinking so many wheels that need to be rethought but like that might be one of the only ones we we could bring along with us to introduce humans to other humans. Yeah, it's just simple, right? Like, I think Hinge was trying to pr- try to bring worlds together in the early stages of like, we're going to tap your network. And it was a network of back then or like, you know, earlier Facebook days of like people you went to college with, you know, it's like that's kind of, you know, how people met before too. And, um, you know, we could talk about how the world of apps has just gone crazy, especially with algorithms that are completely unuseful, if not harmful. But um, yeah, I think there have been glimpses of this. And, you know, I guess the other good thing, question mark, is apps have become very niche too. So if you're into a certain thing, you can kind of like, gravitate towards your people so to speak um and and there's like a, a place a digital space for connecting in that way and that's a little bit of a sense of community but I don't know nobody's gotten it completely right as someone who's like on apps who's like literally about to delete them all <laughs> I think like I don't know I think like the where dating dating and dating apps especially in covid i feel like it's in covid like that word (laughs) you know what i mean but like that's a weird thing to say um it adds like so much complexity to actually like coordinating and and facilitating meeting and hanging out and like safety and safe practices and like when does like there's just a lot of uh implication like in spending time but like the actual safe practices like feel really distancing from getting to know someone and so it would be so nice if there was like some sort of friend pool of like people just putting all of their single friends and like some kind of spreadsheet even yeah facebook group something of like hey, like, we all vouch for these people. They're great. Like, (laughs) and we can hold them accountable if they suddenly decide not to be. Because I think, like, that's, like, something that I've been really thinking about in the last, I would say, three weeks, um, which is why I have my list, is because I actually don't think apps are accountable for people who, like, behave badly. And, like, I definitely had an experience that was really unpleasant a couple weeks ago. And it propelled me to make a list because I, I, I'm in conversations with the app for them to hold the person that I had a bad experience with in like in some sort of accountability and be integrity with their app and their community guidelines. But I think like, how can I ever know if that's going to be sufficient? And at the end of the day, I don't think I trust anyone else to do that. Um, I love the question. And I feel like it's a, it's really similar to how people manage like social groups. Like I see it a lot in wellness where it's like, okay, you have like a wellness guru. I mean, we've all seen all of those shows mm-hmm. where there's like some abusing their power. It's like, nobody's holding them accountable. And it's like, it is really hard for people to do that for some reason. I don't think it is. It's like, okay, if you behave badly, you're not a part of this community. And not because we're canceling you, but just because we want to maintain the protection and safety of the people in this, especially the vulnerable people in this group who are 
often most likely women and then being a woman of color even more so. And I don't know, I really, like I've been thinking about it. I don't have an answer, but it's like something that I'm like, there has to be like a policy that can like be formed or like something to petition because it really doesn't even feel sufficient to like ban someone who's behaving poorly because they're just gonna go to another app and do it again. Like that's how predators behave. And I don't think a lot of, I honestly just think people don't understand predatory behavior. Like they just are unwilling to look at it. It really looks the same across the board. Um, anyway, tangent, but I've been thinking about it. <laughs> no, I and the accountability point you know, it's so, it just feels like that an app is, you're never, it's like the whole problem with trolls on the internet. Like an app's never going to hold you accountable in a way that makes you actually consider changing your behavior. But within a friend group, like being on the other side of Liza setting me up, I had so much less fear and worry going into that date because I knew the person wasn't a total monster or going to, you know, be just terrible and patriarchal I don't know just be a a terrible human to me right away and that was so comforting and I think I was like more open-minded to being on that date too so the accountability I'm just like I feel like there's something there like some it shouldn't be that we have to even think about it this hard this shouldn't be a problem but yeah I really like the idea of a community um focus for getting connecting people in your life I want to start connecting people now but yeah yeah I do too I'm thinking like you're totally right Maisha it's like I do feel like I do feel like the forgotten one <laughs> like and what's funny about like the the being feeling forgotten is like I think also people don't think that I'm aging either which like is very present to me it's like it's it's really interesting it's like a whole like subset of conversation of like my friends who have children and like I I honestly feel like they think I'm like decade younger than I am because I just I don't know I just feel like very much like forgotten about and even in my family my sisters are married I mean I know that they haven't forgotten about me but it just feels like it's not a point of like check-in of like so how is that going like um, which is also maybe a good thing because some days not great, but I feel like proximity is also something that I just like want to bring up again because Maisha mentioned it and it makes me think of like what you were ex- experiencing, Kimmy. It's like a friend group also is part of the proximity and like I've definitely been kind of like set up or like met people who are not necessarily in my community in the city that I live in. And I'm still like, okay, cool. Yeah, like I'm really open to this. There's some kind of like, yeah, like if you do something shady, like I, I'm going to tell our mutual friend. Yeah. They're going to know yeah. about it. Yeah. Like, and you might have to see them again at a party or we might all have to see each other and like, just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I also yeah. think the side of that is that I actually just had a client reach out to me, a former client who was like thinking about like sliding into someone's DMs who was a friend of a friend. And there was a lot of hesitation about doing that. I think partly because we are in this culture. And so when they described like their past history with this person, you know, how things went, the few times that they'd met them prior to COVID, I was like, it sounds like you have 100% like green lights to approach this person. And, um, through my encouragement and a little liquid courage from a glass of wine, um, they were able to do it and got a very positive response back. This person was not available for, you know, romantic partnerships right now, but the way in which it was handled, I felt like was like so much like next level because the people that my client surrounds themselves with is like, they're, they're top-notch people. Like, they don't fuck around with people who aren't going to be respectful. So in a way it was a great foray into, you know, putting themselves out there and asking, you know, based on positive experiences for connection and sure, like the community support is there and 
the person who's on the receiving end is like, ooh, I should handle this delicately mm-hmm. because I definitely, when COVID's over, I'm going to see this person, you know? Yeah. They're part of my community. So I want this to all be copacetic. There's there's investment there. Um, you know, the downside of all of this, of course, is that people are, you know, in factions and things can be segregated and sort of elitist too. So I just wanted to call that out. But I think the positive of this is that pretty much everybody, you know, if you if you're if you are in a community that does hold people accountable like their behavior is going to be i think better than the behavior that we see on apps yeah no and my, or just yeah. in general <laughs> or in general. yeah out in the world yeah and on the internet especially and out in the world um yeah out in the world uh no that's such a but it Maja, it's a great point about the factions and that's i'm glad you called that out because yeah, again, dating is hard and it is it sucks in all of the ways. It's not easy. Um, but well, we are nearing the end of our time. I don't want to take up too much of both of your time. This has been really great. Uh, I've really loved getting to know you both and chatting. Thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. This was a fun convo. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. It was so great to talk to you guys. Um, we, as you know, at this point, love your podcast. Um, will you let everyone know where they can find you on social, where they can find your podcast? I always say that, like, everyone knows, but just, you know, shout out all your stuff. Yeah. We're um, Dating White Podcast on um, Instagram. It's Dating White Podcast, right? Or is it mm-hmm. just Dating White? Um, we have a website. Yeah. Um, so you can go to datingwhite.com, um, as well and listen to episodes of the show, but we are also on, um, what are they calling it? Apple music, Apple podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the things you can find us. Awesome. I'm going to link all of that below um, and please check out these ladies podcasts and thank you guys so much. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.